Welcome to SBC This Week. I'm Brandon Porter. Laura Erlinson is here with me. Laura, how you doing? It's a busy week. Lots of it stuff is. coming I'm up tired. next week. Are you dra- dragging a little bit? I am. Yes. Yeah. Too late. Late nights, early mornings. That's just how it is right now. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Lots, lots going on at, at work. Um, lots going on at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, you know, you know how it is. I do. Yep. Yep. Um, I, this is kind of the Thursday night. So we're recording on Friday. Thursday nights are the the night around our house that all the folks who have been at school all week, it just hits them. And mm-hmm. so, so that the kids are dragging and um, my wife, who is a school teacher, she's moving a little slower on Thursday mm-hmm. nights than other nights. It does feel week. like that. For me, yeah. it's kind of like Friday nights, the night when you think you would want to stay up late because you don't have to be anywhere the next morning or whatever. Yeah. And I am, I find myself going to bed earlier on Friday nights than any other night. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just done. <laughs> Such a party animal. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it has been a busy week. Uh, you you have been maintaining things at Baptist Press, and I, I've been out in the western part of the country um, with our, our Baptist paper state editors. And uh, yes, and you were enjoyed. in Phoenix, right? Mm-hmm. Was it nice it was. and warm out there? It was. It was very nice. Yeah, very beautiful. Um, so a good good time out there. The uh, state exec directors were meeting um, there as well. So Jonathan Howe and I traveled out to Phoenix together and he, he met with them and I went and met with our friends at the state papers. We're going to hear a little bit more, um, about those state papers in our history moment. Um, Mm -hmm. so not necessarily this week, but, uh, just a a neat story that that'll connect to the past. So that's coming up a little bit later in our, uh, history moment. But Laura, another thing that happened out in Phoenix this week, um, is something that is just central to who we are as Southern Baptists. And that was a sending celebration where 62 missionaries um, were appointed and um, and were commissioned by the IMB to uh, go out and to serve, um, taking the gospel to to the nation. Such a such an encouraging encouraging part of who we are as Southern Baptist. Yeah, I loved it. I love the story. These are some of my favorite stories. Is the stories from the sending celebrations, mm. and they co the IMB trustees. Were, coincided their meeting with Mm -hmm. the state editors and the state executives that were meeting out in Phoenix. So they had their meeting in Phoenix and the sending celebration was there. And a a neat statistic, and I don't really know how, I assume this is pretty normal, but maybe this is a larger uh, number than usual. Of the 62 missionaries that were uh, commissioned, 57 of them have previously served in some capacity with the IMB, Mm -hmm. uh, including a couple of missionary kids. And so it was, I thought that was really significant, Yeah, um, and a significant number. And I'm sure there's all always a, a fairly large number of whatever number is commissioned that have had prior experience, but that seemed, it was almost all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Big, yeah, big so groups. You just never know. Yeah. You never know how those uh, short-term mission trips or those journeyman opportunities or summer missions opportunities are going to play out in the long term. It was, that's yeah. pretty, that was pretty interesting. Yeah, just a great word there for pastors and mm-hmm. um, youth pastors, college pastors, um, mm-hmm. uh, Sunday school teachers to, to be helping students to think about those short-term opportunities when uh, when they're younger and um, they, they have the flexibility and freedom to go on some of those short-term mission opportunities and how the Lord uses that to to call them to long-term service. So That's yeah, right. very, very cool. So. Yeah, and all as always, IMB is known for their photographs. This mm-hmm. story has some really good photos too. I always like to point people to that. 
Don't yeah. miss the photos. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, well, as you said, the IMB trustees also met alongside uh, that sending celebration. It was out there in Phoenix as well, this trustee meeting. And so tell us a little bit about that, Laura. Yeah, I think everybody was in Phoenix except for me, and that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I'm not bitter about it. It wasn't um, that cold in Nashville. This has been no, a very you're right. Nice... We actually had a really nice week. And the yeah. sun was out. Yes. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the IMB trustees uh, met in Phoenix out there, and uh, Paul Chitwood told them that all of the IMB's cooperative program dollars and the overwhelming majority of our Lottie Moon Christmas gifts come from churches through the state conventions. And so I think that's why he thought that it was significant that they, he also thought it was significant that they were meeting there alongside the state executives and the state convention communications people that were there. He said the state conventions are not only essential partners, they are among IMB's strongest advocates. Mm. And he talked a lot about the global missions partnerships that the IMB has been cultivating. You've been hearing about that a lot over the past several years. Mm-hmm. Uh, really partnering more with uh, local believers and existing frameworks in the places where missionaries are, uh, existing partnerships with believers. And uh, he said there are 134 global missions partners right now and 136 in the pipeline. And 14 of those are with African Baptist entities mm. you know, that are already existing. And so mm-hmm. that's a really, um, maybe not a shift in strategy, in the last few years, but more of an emphasis, I would uh-huh. say, on really partnering with local believers and what what frameworks already exist to do missions in those contexts. And uh, I, they had a great financial report, and I know that you will like this because you talk about the pipeline all the time. <laughs> there are 1,335 people in the pipeline mm. with the IMB right now. Very encouraging. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, oh, they two, also, I forgot this one. Oh, you yeah. were, you were about to say it. Go ahead. Yep. Two new vice presidents there at the IMB. The first one is Jeff Jen. We've already called his name uh, just we did, last, last week. Last week, yeah. that's right on the podcast. So, uh, so Jeff Jen comes on as the vice president of mobilization, and then also Brian Trapnell. Um, he comes on as the vice president of human resources. Um, so welcome those two to the IMB team. A great report there. Laura, something that, that you were saying um, about those um, partners um, that the missionaries are, are working with, that the IMB is partnering with, about finding how God is working and joining with it. Mm. That That is just a perfect segue. Uh, wow, to, it really is. The homegoing. Well yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you're the one that said it. Um, the, the homegoing of Henry Blackaby um, just in the last uh, little bit and um my goodness, um, how many how many lives has he impacted? And the Lord has used him to just make a tremendous difference um, in in Christianity in the last mm. forty years. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, really, that's just really true. Yeah, I just think about those missionaries that are on the field. How many of them? How was how how many of those was that mission? Mm-hmm passion sparked by when maybe they went through experiencing God as a young person. It was life-changing for me. Uh I had never uh, done a study like that at all until I uh, was at the BCM in college. We we called it the BSU back then, but we call it BCM. (laughs) And we did Experiencing God, and Uh I... It was life-changing for me, yeah. um, and I have gone back to it over and over through the years, just those principles of finding out where God is working and join Him in that work. And so it was a sad day. I mean, I always hate to have to run obituaries of, uh-huh. of very uh, impactful people, but but also a joyful day, just remembering the impact of Henry Blackaby. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, and I said that intentionally a minute ago about the impact he's made on Christianity, not mm-hmm. just yeah, not, not just, just Southern Baptist, not just Southern Baptist. Um, yep. So, I think this is this is worth sharing to make sure folks are aware that since 1990, the Experience in God study has sold more than eight million copies in English alone, mm-hmm. and it's available in more than 75 languages. So, um, just just such yeah. a just just a Around piece that, that God has used, absolutely. Yeah, and amazing. then his story, you know, Dr. Blackaby's story. I think well, I, I remember once I went through experiencing God, and I think I probably led people through experiencing God after that, but then began to learn about him and to learn about how he um, he didn't just sit down and write a Bible study. He lived out those elements in his ministry, and that's what came together to help create this study. And um, so even that, his personal testimony, his biography um, really impacted me and, um, and the, the calling that, that God had placed on, on my life as a pastor. And so, so just so, so grateful for him and, and his ministry. Yeah. His funeral uh, is mm-hmm, planned yeah. for February 24th mm-hmm. uh, in Jonesboro, Georgia, at, yeah. um, where his son is, a pastor there at First Baptist Church in Jonesboro. Yeah, um, there's a visitation at the funeral home there the night before. So yeah, February 25th at three o'clock. Yeah, do 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 that again. The funeral's okay, on the 25th. You said the 24th. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. I was that's looking okay. at the wrong paragraph. No, nope, okay. that's all right. Yeah, his funeral is planned for February 25th in Jonesboro, Georgia, at the First Baptist Church. The night before, there will be a uh, visitation at the Ford Stewart Funeral Home. The family is asking that in lieu of flowers, uh, they're asking for donations to be made to Blackaby Ministries International or to the Canadian Baptist Theological Seminary. Very good. Yeah, thank you. So so we'll be praying for that family um, as they uh, grieve the loss of a father, grandfather, um, but also celebrate his legacy and uh, just the ministry that, that God has accomplished through him. Uh, speaking of ministry, Laura, send relief this week. Uh, I think probably there in Phoenix uh, also got in mm-hmm. on the on the action, and uh, there was an affirmation of the ministry of Send Relief, and also a new logo unveiled um, in that partnership between the IMB and North American Mission Board. Yeah, and they, the uh, two presidents of those entities made a video together and talked about uh, just affirming. Um, you may remember if you've been following SBC for a while, Send Relief was launched in 2016, but it wasn't until 2020 that the two entities came together uh, to f- make Send Relief a global organization, essentially. So they help in the wake of natural disasters and um, political unrest and mm. all kinds of things around the world, in the United States and around the world. Mm. Send Relief has um, 19 ministry centers in North America, uh, and they have helped on, they have ongoing projects in more than 80 countries around the world and have opened to the gospel uh, more than 1,600 different regions that are now open to the gospel because of the work of Send Relief. So pretty amazing statistics when you really dig into the numbers there of Send Relief. And so they have launched um, a new logo and uh, and the presidents, Ezel, like you said, and, and Chitwood at IMB just sort of reaffirmed their commitment for these mm-hmm. two entities to work together to further uh, send relief and ultimately to further the gospel. All right. So speaking of NAM and IMB, Laura, this week we had the ministry reports to uh, become available online. And we had a story about that at Baptist Press. 
Yeah, this is a, a story that we run every year, but it's always interesting because it's always a little different every year. Mm-hmm. Um, the 2024 ministry report is available online at sbc.net. And each Southern Baptist entity answers a set of questions. And they compile these in a report every year. Um, each entity president uh, writes a letter uh, with the, and files a letter with their report, kind of giving mm-hmm. an overview of the organization and its ministries. And so each section for each industry, uh, entity has four entries, the president's mm-hmm. letter, the answers to the questions, their ministry goals, and their uh, and their uh, financial statements. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so as you're heading into thinking about Indianapolis and registering your church members as messengers or your you yourself registering as a messenger, this is very important information that you need as you head in to be ready to vote and ready to hear from the entities and ask intelligent questions and all of those okay. things. Yep. All right. Very good. So make sure to check that out. Um, also, this week we had a story about CP budgeting. Uh, Laura, there's a bit of a different method of reporting gifts through the cooperative program. And uh, the, the aim is to provide a clearer picture um, as to the state giving. And it's based on a dynamic or cash flow budgeting um, which uh, they, they say that, that it more closely mirrors giving patterns throughout the year as well as seasons where more is required of the budget, such as costs associated with the annual meeting. And the they that I'm referring to is Jonathan Howe, who is the interim president, uh, CEO of the executive committee, and then also Mike Bianchi, who is the interim chief financial officer of the EC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they said that because the CP numbers fluctuate month to month because our offerings are oftentimes larger at the end of the of the calendar year, for example, or mm-hmm. because there is more money going out in June because we are having to put on the annual meeting at the right. executive committee, things like that. So it makes more sense for the budget to reflect that. So mm-hmm. our budget goal, rather than it being the overall annual goal divided by 12 and then this, thus the same every month. It changes based on the the uh, what has typically come in in the past versus yeah. and as well as how much has typically gone out in a given month in the past. And so it's more reflective of reality instead of just the same number every month. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that, you know, in church life, um, mm-hmm. say like if your vacation Bible school is in June, then your April, May are going to be heavy. June's going to be heavy. As you're preparing, getting supplies and all that's needed, then actually putting on vacation Bible school. But then July, it may drop down quite a bit because, you know, things gear down a little bit for the the summer. Um, And and then we begin to ramp it back up as we head toward Christmas. And that that may be an expensive time because churches are so active. So anyway, just, just thinking through that, that there are ebbs and flows in denominational life just are in convention life, just like there are in church life. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, they're in family life, you know? I mean, yeah. <laughs> around our house, it's you better true. get prepared for Christmas or you're going to get hot, That is a fact. <laughs> yes, for sure. So, yeah. And, um, yeah. Um, you know, all four, uh, we have five children and four of our kids' birthdays are in April. And oh, so, my. Yeah, yeah. So we have to be prepared for Christmas. And then take a deep breath and um, get ready for April because it's... Turn right around and there it is. Yeah. I mean, wow. it's not... not quite as big as the second Christmas, but yeah, my family, we had, we were all summer birthdays, me and my siblings, really? now my, my family. Now my kids are spread apart. And so that makes it a little easier, mm-hmm. but yeah, my, my dad and my siblings all have summer birthdays. Yeah. So. Yeah. We tried to negotiate with a few of them to see if they'd let us do like their 
half birthday, you know, like, could, could we kick this to October or something like that? And they, they didn't go for that. No so. way. No, we didn't do that. No. All right. So seek, speaking of CP, there is one other story that is fresh. I mean, it is hot off the presses. So hot yes. that as we record this, it's in draft form. Yeah, just it's not waiting even on the website posted. yet. Yeah. But by but the time be. you listen yeah. to this, it will be posted. Lord <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Yeah. And it, yeah, this is a, a, a fun one to do because as we... As you might remember, last week we talked about the CP numbers being down year to date so far this fiscal year. And so that was kind of a bummer. But this story is actually really positive, and it focuses on three states in particular that have had really good CP months in the past couple of months. Uh, North Carolina, Kentucky, and Georgia are mm -hmm. all posting record CP numbers. Mm. And uh, I love what Todd Unsicker, the state exec there in North Carolina, said. He said, generosity is contagious, but so is stinginess. Mm. And, so, and I thought, that's how true that is. People, mm. if something is uh, exciting and people are giving, then that inspires more people to give. And and so uh, this story was encouraging to me that, that uh, sometimes, yeah, the numbers could be slightly down overall, but it's not dire, you know, yeah. people are still excited to give. There are still, I mean, we're still sending out 62 missionaries. I mean, things are happening and the cooperative program is doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. So check that story up. We also have a story up about a ruling um, in the Kentucky Supreme Court. They ruled that a law passed in 2017 changing the statute of limitations imposed on sexual abuse cases does not provide for the revival of time-barred claims against third parties. The decision reversed a court of appeals decision here in Kentucky. Um, that decision said the 30, third party defendants could be held liable retroactively for claims made by sexual abuse survivors who filed after the original statute of limitations had expired. Um, and Laura, this is of interest to Southern Baptists because uh, several SBC entities had filed an amicus brief in the case last year. And the uh, Supreme Court rulings, uh, the Supreme Court's ruling agreed with the arguments um, in those amicus briefs. That's right. Uh, yeah, we want to note for you some some um, standout stories. Not not that not that what Scott and Diana and other writers um, are are doing. Not not that they're not all great, but there are just some um, that that rise to the top. And um, you know, a lot of times with our folks. Uh, Scott and Diana really do a great job with feature writing. Mm -hmm. And so we, we have a couple of feature stories this week that, um, they are, that, that they can move you to Kleenex moments. Yes. Scott, uh, he, he called me as soon as he filed one of, he wrote a three part feature this mm -hmm. week and he split it up into three different stories because once he got this lead, he said, this is too much to put in one story. There's so many cool things. And it's, mm. it's everything from, a an unlikely uh, youth pastor mm -hmm. in rural Oklahoma, um, who to the this really unlikely partnership between two churches in Oklahoma and how they they're not in anywhere near each other necessarily, but how they came to be tied together through several different ways, mm -hmm. and then this woman who has opened up her home to numerous young people over the past several years and what that has done for them. And one of those is a, a young man uh, from the Republic of Congo who came mm. to the U.S. to play basketball and was exploited. I mean, mm. for, for for really, there's no way to sugarcoat it. Right. He was just treated very poorly. Yeah. And 
ended up getting out of that situation and moving in with this um, woman in uh, Oklahoma and is now serving as the youth pastor of the church there, which is just so such a cool story. And But yeah. there's so many parts and way too much for me to talk about on this podcast. So I'm just going to say, go read these three yeah. stories because it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, they're very good. Very good. And then there's also a story from Diana Chandler. And Diana started talking about this idea before Christmas. Um, she she uh, had interacted with a few pastors who were caring for their ailing spouses. And it mm. just really impacted her and stirred her heart. And um, she kept working and kept working and kept working. And, and finally, it, it got to be February. And she said, I'm just going to hold this and make it a Valentine's story. She did. And that's and that, exactly that was what so she did. Sweet. It was mm-hmm. so sweet. Grady Caldwell is the senior pastor of New Mercy Baptist Church in Griffin, Georgia. And he uh, cares for his wife of 55 years, Kathleen, who began exhibiting the signs of Alzheimer's five years ago and has uh, gotten progressively worse. And he is among 11 million Americans who serve as caregivers for Alzheimer's or dementia patients. So it's pretty widespread issue. A lot of people are dealing with it and yet may feel isolated, may not realize that, you know, they're not the only ones dealing with this. And so she interview, has a great interview with, with uh, Pastor Caldwell there in Georgia, but also with Jim Henry. Mm-hmm. And uh, Southern Baptists will remember that name, a former SBC president, uh, a former pastor of several SBC churches. And he wrote a book. He cared for his own wife who died of Alzheimer's several years ago and wrote a book about that and mm-hmm. helped to help caregivers and also help churches to know how to minister to caregivers. And so really great resource there in uh, Diana's story, as well as just a very touching story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Also some fantastic stories from our state papers this week. Um, and the first of them, Laura, comes out of Florida. It's a story about a church, Fruit Cove Baptist Church in St. John's, Florida, that has ministry outreach on all seven continents. It's yes. pretty awesome, huh? I know. So the reason I had to read the story is I thought, what are they doing in Antarctica? (laughs) (laughs) This headline was so compelling. I have to read this. Mm -hmm. And so sure enough, not only do they have mission outreach on, you know, all the continents, but in Antarctica, Fruit Cove Baptist Church established a connection there with a NAM endorsed chaplain Mm. who serves at the McMurdo Station, an American uh, research station on Antarctica. And the church bought a new sound system for the chapel there Mm. and new DVDs and books for the library at this research station in Antarctica. So I thought, how many churches can claim to have a ministry outreach in Antarctica? Yeah. Well, I hope someone from from Fruit Co. over there in Florida will share this so that that we can be, we can say SBC this week is now heard in Antarctica. That's right. Maybe at that research station. That would be awesome. That would be cool. Uh, From Illinois, a pastor staying, staying at the same church. For 60 years. Just such an encouraging story there, Laura. Edmund Hill is 88 years old. He became pastor of Bale City Baptist Church in 1963, which is the year that Kennedy was assassinated. Yeah. So 60 years ago, he is he was 28 years old, and he thought when he first started that he would just stay a few months. Um, he's been bivocational all this time. It's not a very large church. And But he just stayed. He said that he felt very attached to the church. He said, other churches contacted me, but I saw no reason to move. I'm happy there, is what he said. And he yeah. also offered some advice for, for younger pastors. He said, the best thing a pastor can do is visit the lost. It's mm. hard to beat an individual visit. That's good. 
That's yeah. good. Speaking of visiting the lost and, and visiting those who are hurting, a great story this week about the Texas Baptist men and their ongoing ministry in Ukraine. Uh, yeah, we've had several of these stories over the past few months of uh, Texas Baptist men uh, in Ukraine as well as in uh, Israel and Gaza. Mm. And uh, this story talks about um, you, the Ukrainian government actually met with some Christian representatives uh, including Texas Baptist men in Dallas to discuss the needs there and how Texas Baptist men and others can help. One of the things they've done recently is provided food and Bibles in Romania near the Ukraine border for people that have um, been displaced. And also trying to help plant churches for people that have been displaced mm. and to build homes for people. A lot of these cities have tens of thousands of people in them that aren't citizens of that city that mm -hmm. that have just been displaced and they need places to live and places to worship. Rand Jenkins with uh, Texas Baptist Men said he called Ukraine the Bible Belt of Europe. He said it has a longstanding Christian witness. It's very missionary focused. And uh, since its founding, it has pushed back the forces of communism and is uniquely positioned to be the in-between between Russia and predominantly Muslim countries. Mm. So it's kind of a strategic area for, for ministry anyway, um, and not to mention just the great need that's mm. there. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, lots of stories there from uh, Baptist Press uh, writers, from state paper writers there to commend to you. Hope you'll go check those out. Um, we know that, that you'll be encouraged to hear the good things that God is doing through his people. Uh, Laura, speaking of state papers, mentioned earlier about the meeting in Phoenix. And um, as as things would line out, um, that brings us to our history moment. We look back a few years ago when the yes, editors met. a few. Mm -hmm. uh, I found this from very early days in Baptist Press, February mm -hmm. 18th, 1948. Yeah, wow. And it talks about... Guess what? A meeting of St. Yeah. Baptist paper editors. There you go. In 1948. Only this time they were in Biloxi, Mississippi. Okay. Editors of 20 state Baptist papers in the SBC meeting here in the annual session of their Southern Baptist Press Association mm. heard three university professors lecture on various aspects of their publications and named committees for work for the overcoming of deficiencies. Mm. And so the editor of the Baptist New Mexican was elected mm -hmm. president that year, which is kind of interesting because the most recent outgoing president of that right. group is the editor of the Baptist New Mexican, Kevin yeah. Parker. That's right. So you got to talk with him when you were there earlier this sure week. Sure did. Yeah. And so and all, uh, it was just so neat when I saw this. I was like, well, this was so long ago. And yet, they're still doing it. The mm -hmm. editors are still meeting, and we are still so reliant on our colleagues at our state publications for what we do at Baptist Press. It's so important uh, receiving their dispatches from all over the place about what Southern Baptists are doing. And I love that they still meet together every year and hear from not just college professors, but all kinds of practic people practicing journalism. Yeah theology, all kinds of th ways to improve what we do and how we cover Southern Baptist. So it was just kind of neat for me to see that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think there were around 22 of us, or tw 22 of the state papers. Yeah, there represented. was 20 in 1948. So. Yeah, so about 22 of them were represented at the meeting this week in Phoenix. And um, 
So, uh, so something I like to do when I'm in, when I'm in a setting where I know the people in the group, um, and, and I don't, I usually don't say this to folks. So, so some of our staff, maybe if, if they were to listen to this or hear it for the first time, I like to think about the people in the room and I like to go around the room and like, think about a contribution that they have made or a characteristic that they bring to the team or an interaction that, that I've had with them recently. And, um, and I was a good Baptist this week at the state paper editors meeting. And I got the, the back right seat, like the back nice. row the right, I mean, the coveted seat and that there was an exit out. Like that was right by the door. Like, (laughs) I mean, I had the prized seat. Um, I got there early to make sure I got it, but I enjoyed sitting back there and just looking through the room at the different state editors and thinking about interactions with them that, that we've had over the last year of times when we've worked together on a story or maybe something they've sent us that's just been fantastic and so helpful um, or something that that we talked about and, and worked through. And um, it's just so, so encouraging to to have partners in ministry. And I, I think about that. that. That has maybe been a theme of, of this episode mm-hmm. as we as we've thought about the the, the partnership between short term missions and the missionaries on the field helping. And, and we see the results of that. We think about Send Relief and IMB and NAM partnered together and talking about, you know, what we do at Baptist Press and how we partner together with our state papers. And, um, you know, and then the talk we talked a lot about cooperative missions. So um, I feel like Mr. Rogers now is like, here's the theme of the program, <laughs> kind of wrapping it up for us. But, Are you going to sing a song? <laughs> <laughs> Won't you be my neighbor? You know? <laughs> Don't forget to feed the fish. That's right. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to bring it to a close now. I'm going to reach over here and get my sweater and put it on yep. and we'll wrap things up. So, well, uh, Laura, next week, the executive committee meeting is happening, Lord willing, in Nashville. So we're going to provide full coverage of that at Baptist Press. Yes, rest up this weekend, Brandon. That's right. Absolutely. And I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about in next week's episode of SBC This Week. Yes, uh, so much to talk about today, and we didn't even hit it all. But um, yeah, stay tuned next week as we talk about what happened at the executive committee meeting in Nashville. And as always, you can find all this and much more at baptistpress.com. Thanks for listening. 